This is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It's been a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on TheDetroitBureau.com. The U.S. new car market took another tumble in August, but not because buyers are steering clear. The real problem is the ongoing shortage of semiconductor chips, and that's leaving dealers with record low inventory. The situation isn't likely to get better anytime soon, experts warn. Toyota and Honda are among many manufacturers planning to slash production in the weeks ahead. The COVID crisis has also been hitting the industry hard, with more and more workers reporting out ill. Ford has decided to delay bringing white-collar workers back to their offices at least until January, and Hyundai has also extended work-at-home plans. GM was planning to take a flexible approach, with some employees set to report back to work, some remaining at home. But the automaker is now checking up on whether workers have been vaccinated. So far, no automaker has announced mandatory vaccine plans. All these problems have hit consumers as well, driving new vehicle prices to record levels of around $42,000. But that's only part of the story. A new study by AAA estimates American motorists will spend an average $10,000 this year to own and operate a new vehicle. Depreciation is far and away the biggest out-of-pocket expense, followed by fuel and maintenance and repair costs. Full-size pickups are the most expensive vehicles to own and operate, with small sedans at the other end of the spectrum. GM is waiting for replacement batteries it'll install in 162,000 Chevy Bolt EVs and EUVs. The two battery cars have been recalled because of a potential fire risk. The problem is blamed on a manufacturing defect, and the recall will cost GM nearly $2 billion. Joe Sesney will have more in this week's top story. Ford reportedly will double production of its next battery electric vehicle, the F-150 Lightning, as advanced reservations top initial expectations. The all-electric truck goes into production next June. And finally, highway fatalities have been on the rise the last couple years, even during pandemic lockdowns. Experts blame a variety of factors such as distracted driving. But the data also show more Americans have stopped wearing seatbelts. Chevrolet has been experimenting with a new system that won't let drivers shift into gear unless they're buckled up. The buckle-to-drive system will be added to virtually every new GM product in the coming years. Those who absolutely refuse to wear belts can shut the system off, but safety experts believe the system could save many lives. And those are the stories making headlines on TheDetroitBureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thank you, Paul. GM plans to spend $35 billion in the next five years on new electric vehicles, but its plans have been disrupted by a major and expensive recall of the battery electric Chevrolet Bolt. The company is replacing the car's defective battery, and the recall has strained GM's relationship with LG Chem, the South Korean maker of the battery, with whom the automaker is now joined at the hip. GM and LG Chem's subsidiary, LG Energy, are building two new battery plants in the U.S., including one nearing completion in Lordstown, Ohio. As many as four plants are planned by the partnership. The first recall of 69,000 of the EVs earlier this summer reduced GM's second quarter earnings by $800 million. The second recall of another 73,000 cars includes its 2022 models and is expected to cost an additional $1 billion. The automaker is asking its South Korean partner to absorb some of the $1.8 billion expense because a manufacturing defect is catching blame for the fires. 
CEO Mary Barra, the architect of GM's electrification strategy, says the company's committed to maintaining its relationship with LG Chem despite the obvious strain. Adding to GM's EV troubles, it shut down the Orion, Michigan plant where the Bolt EV is produced this week due to chip shortages. That's this week's top story, and now let's go to Larry Prince with this week's review. Larry? Thanks, Joe. If you're a Volkswagen fan with dreams of owning a Golf, Volkswagen has other ideas. Its new subcompact crossover, the 2022 Volkswagen Taos, is now the least expensive VW hatchback you can buy in the States. Its small exterior size contains a surprisingly cavernous interior. Head and legroom are generous, and seating is very comfortable. Ambiance is similar to that of other VWs, with a logical layout that's a bastion of ergonomic simplicity and finished in a symphony of stark, hard plastic. Under the hood, you'll find a 1.5-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine rated at 158 horsepower and 184 pound-feet of torque. Front-wheel drive models get an 8-speed automatic transmission. All-wheel drive models come with a 7-speed dual-clutch automatic transmission as well as a multi-link rear suspension rather than the torsion beam axle used in front-wheel drive models. Driver assistance systems are available, but they're optional unless you opt for the -the top-of-the-line SEL trim. But at least you get Bluetooth, wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, and USB ports. Acceleration is competitive for its class, although there is noticeable turbo lag when accelerating from a standstill, so planning is called for when you need a sudden dose of power. The ride is absorbent for the most part, but the worst bumps pound through, and there is noticeable body lean in corners, although it's not excessive. The 2022 Volkswagen Taos's spacious cabin, clean conservative looks, and reasonable starting price is attractive, but it becomes pricey when adding four-wheel drive or opting for a higher trim level. Choose your options carefully, and you'll find the Taos to be an accommodatingly efficient crossover, even if it lacks the European road manners expected of a Volkswagen. That's this week's review, and now Mike Strong will look at what's coming up in the week ahead. Mike? Thanks, Larry. There's going to be plenty of news this week, so let's get started. On Tuesday, J.D. Power releases the results of its annual initial quality study. It uses feedback from new vehicle buyers after the first 90 days of ownership to determine the best-performing brands. Typically dominated by Asian automakers, last year Dodge pulled off a surprise, tying Kia for the top spot. Although officials in Auburn Hills contend it wasn't a surprise to them, it marked the first time a domestic brand ranked number one. We've written extensively about the ongoing shift to electric vehicles. This week, GM, which is plowing $35 billion into its efforts during the next five years, plans to offer a closer look at the new Cadillac Lyric EV. The battery electric crossover is ahead of schedule and expected to hit dealerships early next year. It will be built at the Spring Hill, Tennessee plant that was once home to a different kind of car company. Looks like it'll be building a different kind of vehicle soon. Subaru often comes to mind when discussing different kinds of vehicles, and it recently unveiled its Outback Wilderness Edition. The off-road ready model was expected to get some siblings and, according to multiple reports, next up is the Forester. We'll find out later in the week. Finally, we'll find out just how tough it was to buy and sell new vehicles in August when most automakers report their monthly sales figures. Analysts forecasts show a double-digit decline is in the works due to reduced inventories and the fact last August is when auto sales started to rebound. We'll have those results as well as any other important news throughout the week. Now let's go back to Larry for some automotive history. Larry? Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with This Week in Automotive History. 
This week in 1915, race car driver and Paramount movie actress Anita King sets out from Hollywood to become the first woman to drive solo across the United States. Saying that if men can do it, so can a woman, King drives her Kissel car, stocked with a rifle and a six-shooter as her sole companions. Of course, Paramount movie boss Jesse Lasky makes sure she has plenty of promotional appearances along the way. Forty-nine days later, King arrives in Manhattan. In 2017, her great-nieces would honor her by traversing the country in 49 hours in a Chrysler 200. In 1922, Chitty Bang Bang, a chain-driven Mercedes with a 23-liter Maybach engine, went to the first South Sea Speed Carnival in Hampshire, England. Driven by Count Louis Obrowski at an average speed of 73.1 miles per hour, the car would inspire Ian Fleming's children's book, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, as well as a 1968 movie starring Dick Van Dyke. Thirty-five years ago, in 1985, Malcolm Bricklin, the man who gave Americans Subarus, introduces the Yugo. Built in Yugoslavia from old Fiat parts, its starting price of $3,990 leads to sales of more than 1,000 cars in a single day. After the initial euphoria, however, reality sets in. Seriously slow, with a 0-60 to 60 time of 14 seconds, the Yugo's poor build quality and inferior crash protection causes consumer passions to cool before becoming the fodder of late-night monologues. The outbreak of the Yugoslavian Civil War in 1992 ensures Yugo America declares bankruptcy. Jay Leno jokes that Yugo has come out with a very clever anti-theft device. They made the name bigger. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry. And that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.